Good morning. I'm the Reverend Amy Richter. And I'm the Reverend Joe Pagano. And this is a service of morning prayer for Sunday, April 3rd. Cast your burden upon the Lord. And God will sustain you. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Give me the joy of your saving help again. And sustain me with your bountiful spirit. Blessed be the Lord day by day. The God of our salvation who bears our burdens. A reading from the Gospel according to John. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for three hundred denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. When the great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, they came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death as well, since it was on account of him that many of the Jews were deserting and were believing in Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel lesson for today is a hinge text. It concludes the first half of John's gospel, which scholars name the Book of Signs. It also prepares for the second half of the gospel, which scholars call either the Book of Glory or the Book of the Passion. The two names for the second half are telling Both are correct. Beginning in chapter 12, the remainder of the gospel deals with the last week of Jesus' life. It is the story of his passion. It is also the story of his glorification. Both are accurate characterizations of Jesus' death. As we look toward our observation of Holy Week, as we liturgically experience the events in the last week of Jesus' earthly life, we probably bring with us a variety of convictions, questions, aversions, and fears about Jesus' death. It probably doesn't help 
that some of the most unedifying squabbles in church history have been over the meaning of Christ's death. These debates filter down in our assumptions and in the ways we try to police others' views of Jesus' death. Some say Jesus' death is a sacrifice, a reconciliation of everything in heaven and earth through the blood of the cross. But others object. Isn't the whole idea of sacrifice primitive and noxious? Some say Jesus' death on the cross is a victory over the forces of sin, death, and the devil. But others object, why would an all-powerful God have to deal with the devil in the first place? Some say Jesus' death makes satisfaction for our sins. But others object, What kind of God would demand the death of his innocent son in order to forgive human sins? Some say Jesus' death is an example of self-giving love that inspires us to participate in his self-offering. But others object, are you saying that we can save ourselves? Some say Jesus' death is an atonement For the elect. But others object. Didn't Jesus die for the sins of the whole world? Some say Jesus was executed by a corrupt empire, period. But others object. Is there no theological meaning to be found in Jesus' death whatsoever? Explicitly or implicitly, these ideas and debates shape our perceptions of Jesus' death during Lent. Sacrifice, victory, satisfaction, example, execution, the book of glory, or the book of the passion. In our gospel lesson, The characters in the story each represent a different perspective on Jesus' death. At the home of Lazarus, a dinner is given for Jesus. The theme of the evening is clearly his impending death. The Gospel of John places the crucifixion on the day before Passover, so that Jesus dies at the same time the lambs for the Passover meal would have been slaughtered. The mention of the time of the dinner, six days before the Passover, already frames Jesus' death in light of Passover. Early in the Gospel, John the Baptist declared, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus' death is interpreted in light of the Passover. But in Jesus' case, his death will deliver us from the power of sin. Lazarus was at the dinner. He says and does nothing. Yet, his silent presence says a lot about how we should understand Jesus' death. 
Earlier in the gospel, Lazarus had died, but Jesus raised him from the dead. This was a sign of the resurrection, an assurance that when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, that he was speaking the truth. All Lazarus has to do is sit there. His presence is testimony enough that Jesus' death will not be the end of the story. The end of the story will have to do with life, and in Jesus' case, eternal life. At the dinner, Martha served the guests. This picture of Martha serving is consistent with what we know of Martha from the Gospel of Luke. But in our passage from John, where the theme of the evening is Jesus' death, I think we see also another faithful approach. One thing faithful people do at the time of death is feed people. It is a tangible sign of care in the presence of death when grief often causes us to forget to take care. In the face of Jesus' impending death, Martha offers the sacred service of providing a meal. Mary anoints Jesus' feet with a pound of costly nard and wipes them with her hair. The whole house is filled with the fragrance of the perfume. This is Mary's approach to Jesus' death, which Jesus interprets for us as a preparation for his burial. It is a love offering that fills the whole house. Mary's action points to an interpretation of Jesus' death that sees it as a love offering that will fill the whole world. When Jesus is lifted up on the cross, he will draw the whole world to himself. Judas's response to Mary's love offering reveals his character as a betrayer and a thief. He raises an objection. Why waste the perfume anointing Jesus when it could have been sold and the money given to the poor? The narrator makes clear that Judas didn't really care for the poor. He only wanted to steal from the common purse. Yet, Jesus' response to Judas, you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me, strikes many as callous. In historical context, however, it is part of Jewish wisdom on how to balance the two goods of almsgiving and care for the dead. Both are good things to do. But when you can't do both, Jewish teachers have said priority ought to be given to caring for the dead. It's kind of like if one of my neighbors had a death in the family 
and I brought a casserole over to their house. If someone criticized me for not giving that casserole to the poor, we would think them pastorally tone deaf. It would be great to make casseroles for the poor and for my grieving neighbors. But sometimes we need to make a choice and then care for the dying and the grieving. Judas misses this. We are also told that many Judeans were believing in Jesus because he raised Lazarus from the dead. This positive response of many Jewish people to Jesus is important to remember, especially in John's gospel. Many believed in him. Some of the religious authorities, however, sought to kill not only Jesus, but Lazarus as well. Their approach to Jesus' death was that it is better for one person to die for the sake of the whole nation. In the irony of John's gospel, these religious authorities are both wrong and right. They are wrong in their intentions to kill Jesus. They are, despite themselves, right that Jesus' death will save not only the whole nation, but the whole world. As we follow Jesus on the way of the cross during Holy Week, it may be helpful to remember the variety of approaches to Jesus' death that we see in the gospel. In addition to the approaches to Jesus' death that we find in our lesson, John's gospel portrays Jesus' death as the accomplishment of the Father's work, the glorification of Jesus, the defeat of the ruler of this world, a drawing of all people to himself, and a propitiation for sin. Perhaps we can see this variety as a gift, rather than something to squabble over. Maybe different people need to hear and experience different aspects of Jesus' death during Lent. Maybe we need to hear and experience different aspects of Jesus' death during this Holy Lent than we have in the past. Maybe if Jesus draws all people to himself when he is lifted on the cross, we should honor the variety of ways people find healing, forgiveness, deliverance, encouragement, and salvation in his death and resurrection. Amen. With confidence and trust, let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. For the one holy Catholic and apostolic church throughout the world, we pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the mission of the church, that in faithful witness it may preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, we pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
For those preparing for baptism and for their teachers and sponsors, we pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. For peace in the world, that a spirit of respect and reconciliation may grow among nations and peoples. We pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the poor, the persecuted, the sick, and all who suffer. For refugees, prisoners, and all in danger. That they may be relieved and protected, we pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all whom we have injured or offended, we pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. For grace to amend our lives and to further the reign of God, we pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray also for peace in Ukraine. And we ask God's blessings and healing grace for Melvin, Denise, Glenn, Audrey, Diane, Cecil, George, Shirley, Janelle, Noreen, Clarence, John, Anne, Audrey, Donna, Dave, Suzanne, Cody, Danielle, Sean, Howard, Byron, Pat, and Eric. And for Sadie, Doug, Sean, Kim, Doug, Connie, Deanna, Stuart, Herb, Dorcas, Connor, Irving, Marion, Debbie, Robert, Wayne, Jennifer, Stephanie, Nina, Carolyn, Bob, Joe, Percy, Doreen, Paul, Joe, and Percy, and any you wish to name aloud or in the silence of your hearts. And we pray for the repose of the souls of Penny and Hannah. May they rest in peace and rise in glory. Amen. Gathering our prayers and praises into one, let us pray as our Savior taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen. This is number 211 from the Junior Praise Book, and it's called Said Judas to Mary.
Jesus to Mary, your love is so deep. Today you may do as you will. Tomorrow you say I am going away, but my body I leave with you still, he said. My body I leave with you still. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the God of peace enable us to do his will in every kind of goodness, working in us what pleases him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen.